Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. All the time. Amen. One more reminder for next week. Next week, we are going to have a combined service at 10 a.m. What time? 10 a.m. So don't show up at 11. Don't show up at 10.05. Show up at 10. 10 o'clock. That's when we're going to start. Amen. And uh, we're going to have a guest speaker, and he's going he's gonna to speak the word of God. He's, a, he's an anointed man of God. Amen. Praise God. I want you to turn with me, if you have your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 4 through 10. We're going to read a very Pentecostal passage of scripture this morning. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 10. If you have it, you can give me an amen. amen. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church of Corinth. And he says this. He says, now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are a variety of services, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Someone say everyone. everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the spirit the utterance of wisdom. To the other the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit. To another faith by the spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another various kinds of tongues. To another the interpretation of tongues. And all these are empowered by the one and the same spirit. Who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this group of people, my God, your church that you have called into this building this morning to just bring you honor and praise to your name, Father God. I pray right now, Lord, that your spirit would deliver this word, my God, that you would speak it through me. Holy Spirit, be on my lips. I pray that nothing that is said is from me, but of you, my God. And I pray that you bring healing, conviction, uh, freedom, my God, and salvation this morning at Numa Church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Amen. I, uh, I titled the sermon today, Balanced. Balanced. And just to give you a little bit of context for that title, um, at the beginning of the year, I joined this, this cohort of, of pastors and leaders from all over, all over Texas. And my group is, is about, it's a small group, it's meant to be small. It's about five, five of us pastors and leaders. And, and we get together via Zoom once a month. And we talk for about two hours. We start at eight o'clock. We go to 10 o'clock. And if you know me, my, my bedtime is like nine o'clock. So it's, I'm, I'm barely making it. But it has been such a, such a blessing to my life. And we just, we just talk and we share uh, our hearts with one another. We give and receive perspective. And it's been a blessing to my life. And uh, the, it, the discussion, it kind of takes on the mastermind model where one person speaks about something that they're going through or a challenge that they're facing or an idea that they have. And then every person in the group kind of chimes in, chimes in and gives perspective um, and off, offers any godly counsel, all that type of stuff. And so I shared something with the group that I was, that I was kind of facing. And, and the leader of, of, of our group, he's a pastor in San Antonio, uh, he asked me a question. It gave me fresh perspective. And it also, honestly, it, it inspired this sermon, at, at least the... Uh, the, the title of the sermon. He said, Pastor Ryan, let me ask you, would you consider yourself a faith guy or a wisdom guy? 
And as soon as he asked me the question, I knew exactly what he was asking. He wasn't asking if I have one or the other. He was asking if I tend to lean on one more than the other. It was a question about balance. Are you a faith guy or are you a wisdom guy? And it didn't take me long to, to think about it. I knew right away because I know myself in the midst of adversity, when I'm facing a challenge, I tend to lean more on wisdom. That's always my prayer. God, grant me wisdom. Give me I'm always asking the Lord for wisdom. Sometimes I ask for peace. Sometimes I ask for faith. Sometimes I ask for joy. But more than anything else, my prayer is always, Lord, grant your servant wisdom. If you, if you asked me, I would say that wisdom is my gift. Maybe because I've asked for it the most. I don't know. But I think, I think as a pastor, you need to have a little bit of wisdom. If you're going to counsel people, if you're going to give spiritual counsel to people, you need to have a little bit of wisdom. If you're going to teach the word, if you're going to preach the word, you have to have a little bit of wisdom. If you're going to lead people, you need wisdom. That's why Solomon asked God, Lord, give me wisdom to lead your people. Because there's a lot of gray areas in life and in leadership and in relationships and, and just the Christian walk. And so many times you just need wisdom to take you through what you're going through. And so I tend to be more of a wisdom guy. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't have faith. I have a lot of faith. I'm a man of faith. And, and, and just to be clear, by faith, I, I'm not talking about saving faith. We all have saving faith. You can't, you can't have you can't be a Christian without faith. I'm talking about the gift of faith. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about the kind of faith that the woman with the discharge of blood had to go to Jesus and expose herself and be really uncomfortable in the crowds because she knew if I just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. I'm talking about the, the, the faith of Abraham who knew that what he was doing didn't make sense, but he believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Some people have an immense amount of faith. Maybe you know somebody who's got an immense amount of faith and like they're unfazed by anything that they go through because they've got faith and they're not going to be shaken because they believe with all their hearts that God is doing something in their adversity. And as much as I would love to say that I operate more in faith when I'm in any type of trial, I run to wisdom. That's my that's my thing. I operate more in the gift of wisdom. Now, that's okay because, as Paul says, we were all given different spiritual gifts. And this is one of the more popular passages that you're going to find in reference to spiritual gifts. But it's important to note that this list that Paul is giving is not meant to be all-encompassing. It uh, meaning that the gifts of the spirit are not limited to this list. What Paul is doing here is he's making a point that the gifts given to believers by the Holy Spirit, whatever that gift may be, are diverse and they're used to serve the body of Christ. So in, in this in this passage, he's calling for unity in a very divided church. But Paul also talks about spiritual gifts in Romans 12. Peter mentions them in 1 Peter chapter 4. And if you notice, no list of spiritual gifts are exactly the same, meaning there are a variety of gifts that God has bestowed on believers for the edification of the church. Paul even categorizes these functions. He says there are a variety of gifts 
and there are a variety of services and there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them in everyone. That means that not everyone is going to specialize in the same thing. Special types of services, special types of activities will call for a special type of gift. Just like anything. If you're looking for legal advice, you're going to probably go to somebody who specializes in law. If you're sick, you might go to someone who specializes in medicine. If you're playing in a basketball tournament, you're probably going to want the guy who's gifted in basketball on your team so that you you have a chance of winning. Certain activities, certain services call for specific gifts. And maybe you're reading this text this morning. You're like, well, I don't relate to any of these. You're saying, I don't prophesy. I don't heal. I don't, I don't do speaking in tongues. Remember, this isn't an exhaustive gift uh, list. The Holy Spirit may have gifted you with something. Look, that's not mentioned here. You know, you, you know what gift is not mentioned in any one of these? The gift of music. Man, there's some people who can minister with a song. Amen. Have you ever been blessed by somebody through a song, through, through, through some lyrics, through just a beautiful voice, a beautiful anointing? David, King David, he was a minister of music. That was one of his many gifts. His songs were his worship and they led people to the presence of God. They led people to this day, if you read the Psalms, to an appreciation of the character of God. That was music. It's not mentioned here in the list of of Paul's. Writing is another one. Some people can write so eloquently and in a way that edifies. Maybe your gift is giving. God has blessed you with resources. And you edify the body of Christ through your giving. Maybe that's your gift. Maybe it's art. Maybe you proclaim the name of Jesus through your art. What I'm saying this morning is that the Holy Spirit can use your thing and empower it for the kingdom of God. Now, it's important to know that any gift given by the Spirit must be, as verse 11 says, empowered by the Spirit. You hear that? Because if it's not empowered by the spirit, it's just a talent. It's just an ability. It's just something you can do. But a spiritual gift is something that is empowered by the spirit. And I have to make this point because if you don't get this point, the whole sermon is going to sound off and confusing. So I want you to get this point. Get this today. If it's not empowered by the spirit, it's powerless. If it's not empowered by the spirit, it's powerless. What made the staff of Moses so powerful was not the staff itself. It was the power of God that manifested in the staff, that gave life to the staff. Now, did the staff of Moses always have the power of God in every moment? Yeah, I don't want to answer. No. There was some times where Moses just sat it down, took a nap, went to eat. He went to sleep for the night, and I don't think the staff was watching over Moses. I think when it wasn't empowered by God, the staff was just a staff. And so sometimes, this is what I'm getting at this morning, sometimes the gift that you're gripping onto so strongly doesn't have the power of God in it at every moment. But we think that we can always depend on the gift because we think it's always activated. So if you see a, you see a prophet on the street, you know, someone known for the, for their prophetic ministry and you go up to the prophet and you're like, hey, prophet, what you got for me? Give me a word. 
He might not have a word for you in that moment. He may have nothing to say because the gift might not be activated in that moment. That doesn't mean that he's not anointed. That doesn't mean that he hasn't gifted. But it might mean that there is a dependence on the gift and not the spirit. And I love Pentecostals. We're a Pentecostal church. But a lot of Pentecostals depend on the gift and not the spirit. They always think that the gift is ready to go. It's always activated by God. No, sometimes the staff is just a staff. And other times God says, raise your staff and see what happens to the sea that is in front of you. It is God that we need to become dependent on, not our giftings. I don't even want to talk about supernatural gifts of healing and miracles this morning. I want to talk about the more practical gifts which I believe are still supernatural because they come from God. They're just not as impressive, right? No one is really impressed with the gift of wisdom, the gift of knowledge, the gift of hospitality, the gift of faith, the gift of prophecy, the gift of healing, the gift of miracles. Yes, but I want to I talk about the practical gifts because I believe that the majority of Christians, we operate in the practical. We operate in life, in life. If you're sick, the practical gift of faith, the, the practical gift of just trusting in God, the practical gift of, of wisdom is what we tend to carry more. And these are the gifts that we tend to operate. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, hospitality. Uh, Peter says acts of mercy and kindness. Many times we treat these gifts that are supposed to be resources as the source. What do I mean by that? I mean, we run to wisdom before we run to God. We run to faith before we run to God. Now, I know that that sounds crazy because it's God who empowers these gifts, but the gift isn't God. We run to these things as if they're a resource of life. They're not the resource for life. They're resources to build, the resources to equip, to encourage, but they're not the resource for life. And so what I'm getting at today, I'm taking way too long to make the point. There are so many Christians who have an imbalance when it comes to spiritual gifting. Because many of us have stopped depending on the spirit and only are running to the gift that we're so used to possessing. Not a lot of amens this morning. So you got you got Christians who are full of faith, but they have no discernment. You have Christians full of faith. Casting out demons where there is no demon because there's also no discernment. Calling everything a demon. You've also got Christians who are full of faith, but have no wisdom. They make hasty decisions. Abraham was a man of faith. He went down for his faith. He's in the hall of fame of faith, Hebrews 11. But there was a time in Abraham's life where his wisdom needed to step up a little bit more. There was a time where his faith got impatient And it got a little bit foolish and he thought that he could advance the promise of God by having a wife, a a child with his wife's servant. There is no scenario in which that is wise. Men, if your wife ever tells you to go sleep with another woman, it is a trap. She's going to kill you. She's going to murder you. I'm telling you here. You've got Christians also who are full of wisdom, but don't have that much faith. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching to myself this morning. 
full of, full of wisdom, but little faith. And so they overanalyze because they want to count the cost. That's what the Bible says. They even quote scripture. I got to count the cost, brother. They want to take their, uh, their, their time before they jump too quickly. These, these are, I imagine, the disciples who didn't step out of the boat with Peter. You know, Because wisdom says walking on water is not possible. Common sense says that, right? So I, I imagine the, the, other, the 11 apostles that were there with Peter thinking Peter was just being foolish. But their lack of faith, even in the presence of apparent wisdom... Stop them from doing the miraculous. Can I tell you today, church, that the Holy Spirit doesn't just give you wisdom. He can give you faith as well. He can give you peace as well. Just because you're known for one in your life doesn't mean that you're defined by your gifting. You're defined by your creator. A prophet is not just a prophet. I know in the eyes of the church, that's what we want. Just give me the prophetic word. But a prophet is not just a prophet. A prophet needs a healthy balance of gifting because if all the prophet has to depend on is the gift of prophecy, he may give a word that didn't come from God because he failed to discern. I I mean, I feel for for these people with these ministries. And I've sat down with them and and I've asked them, do you get up there sometimes and like just feel the need to perform? And they said, yes, because that's what the people are there for. Prophets coming. Oh, let's all, let's all gather and see what the prophet's going to say. The pressure to just say something. To, the pressure to make it as vague as possible, brother. God's going to bless you, brother angel. The Lord has something coming, you know what I'm saying? The pressure. And if there's no discernment, that's dangerous. What makes it even more dangerous is if the prophet who wasn't acting in discernment goes to the man who's always full of faith, but also has no discernment, will take that word and go out and apply it when it wasn't even a word from God. Spiritual gifts are meant to edify the church. They're meant to build. They're powerful. But they need to be handled with care. And the only way we handle it with care is by going to the source first. What are you saying, God? The Bible says test every spirit. Test every word. The Bible says if you need wisdom, ask for wisdom. We need a balance of spiritual gifting in the church. And and the only way you get a balance is by running to the Holy Spirit. Stop running to the thing that comes so natural to you. Because when you lean so heavy on, on the gifting, we tend to think that God is just always in the gift. We fail to realize that he may be trying to strengthen another area of your life. Can I tell you that my wisdom isn't always God's wisdom? I, and I think that it is because I'm a man of God. And I would say my gift is wisdom. So sometimes I get a little too cocky. And I think that every decision that I make is made in wisdom. 
because I run to wisdom. The pastor who asked me, are you a faith guy or a wisdom guy? I'm the guy who runs to wisdom before I run to faith. And, and remember, Paul says there, there are a variety of services, there are a variety of activities, and all will determine the gift that is distributed. So sometimes, church, you, you still with me, right? Okay, got to check every now and then. Sometimes I'm in a season that requires more faith, but I'm depending on wisdom. I'm the guy who thinks carefully about everything. I think before I speak. I plan before I do. I think about all the scenarios possible. And then I act. But sometimes God calls for a faith that looks like the enemy of wisdom. It looks like wisdom's worst nightmare. Because it looks foolish. Because sometimes faith looks foolish. Sometimes faith looks crazy to everybody else. Everybody in Abraham's circle probably thought he was crazy. The Bible says that he left his, his, his parents' house. I, I wonder what that conversation was like. Have you ever shared something that God has shared with you to somebody else? And they're just questioning you. And they're thinking that you're, you're kind of acting too hasty. And they're like, man, are you sure? Are you sure, son, that God is going to bless you with a, with, with a nation? He's going to bless you with multitudes of, of children. Are you sure, son? Sometimes faith looks crazy. And if you're the guy who depends on wisdom, sometimes faith looks like the enemy. Well, sometimes God calls for faith. And the thing that's worse is my wife and I, we don't really compliment each other well in this department because I think her, her gifting is also wisdom. <laughs> We're a wise household. We are, we're a wise household, man. I mean, we, we make pretty wise decisions, I would say. I mean, there's a, a, you know occasional recklessness and stuff like that. When we first got married, bought a bunch of things we couldn't afford. That was stupid, right? But we learned. And we, we're a pretty wise household. And so sometimes God is, is testing our faith. And we both come with our weapon of choice, wisdom. We're bringing wisdom to the fight that is a fight of faith. And we, we overanalyze and we're like, wait, wait, wait. Maybe we should step here before there. Maybe, maybe we should do this. Maybe it shouldn't be a leap of faith. Maybe it should just be a little baby step of faith. Because we're careful. We're cautious. We want to count the cost. We want to think about everything. We're, we're wisdom, right? And sometimes I just think the Holy Spirit's like, stop thinking. Stop it. I'm not trying to operate in wisdom. I'm trying to operate in faith. But you're relying on the wisdom and you're not relying on me. And you know, full transparency, man, God has been humbling me lately. He's, I mean, the past few months, I, I feel sometimes I, I think that I'm doing the wise thing and then it turns out that I did the wrong thing. And I'm standing there and I'm humbled because I feel foolish. And I'm starting to realize that I think God is trying to get my attention. You ran to wisdom before running to me. Now, there have been other times where I, I've run to faith and I looked reckless because it was out of my element. And I, I didn't think things through. But I said, ah, you know what? This is what faith looks like. Faith looks stupid every time. And so, man, I, I had some crazy looking faith, man. And I started saying, I, I remember a couple, well, a few years ago, we were looking, we were, we were trying to get this house. 
And it was a house that we couldn't afford. And I told my, I told my wife, maybe God's testing our faith. <laughs> I started declaring it. I started praying over it. We went to go see the house. I blessed the front porch. Lord, thank you for my house. We're not in that house today. We're not in that house. And there's, there's, a, there's, a, lot of, there's a lot of times where, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm humbled because I was running to my version of faith rather than the Holy Spirit. What if Moses, having seen the power of God manifested in the staff, began to bypass God and go straight to the staff? And instead of consulting with God, he grabbed his staff. He said, what are we doing, staff? What do you want to do? How do, we, how, do we, how do we cross the Red Sea? How do we defeat the Egyptians? And he starts doing all these weird stuff with the staff, you know. Don't get me wrong. The staff was anointed for the miraculous. It harnessed the power of God, but only when it was empowered by God. Why? Because God is the source, not the gift. Maybe you tend to be more of a faith person than a wisdom person. What does that look like? Isn't faith supposed to look foolish? Yes, when it's dependent on God. Faith will look very, very foolish. When your faith is dependent on a desired outcome, it might not be faith. It might look hasty. You jump before God ever said jump. God's like, what are you doing, man? You go before God ever gave you direction to go anywhere. There's no waiting on the Lord. There's, there's just impatience. There's haste. You quit your job in faith that God will provide for you because you don't like the job, but you first believe for God to provide for you by giving you the job. You just put your faith in an outcome. That's not faith. I remember I, remember I had this idea for a book when I was a kid. A long time ago, I was probably 11 or 12 years old. I pitched it to my dad, and he shot it down real fast. I don't know if you remember, but the, the, the book was called, it was going to be called, it was going to be called The Boy Who Lost His Faith. And uh, it was about a boy who wanted to fly. I think, I, think, I think I was the boy in the story. Like, I've always wanted to fly. And so he wanted to fly so badly. That was his everyday prayer. The little boy, Lord, let me fly. God, let me fly. Lord, give me wings. God, whatever, whatever you got to do, just let me fly. I want to fly. And then one day, he's standing out at the edge of a cliff. And he's looking at, at the view, and, and he's looking at the clouds, and he's like, man, what it would be like just to be able to soar among the clouds and with the eagles. I want this so bad. It's a desire of my heart. And he says, Lord, I know you can do this. I know you can make this happen. I want to fly. And so he jumps off the cliff in faith. And he's on his way down. And all the way down, he's praying, Lord, make it happen. I believe in you. I trust in you. I have faith in you. And all of a sudden, boom, he starts coming back up. He starts to fly. And then for the rest of the book, he's, you know, flying and stuff. I, I didn't get that far in the outlining process. That's what he's doing. He's flying, you know. There's a story there, I'm sure. I, I, all I had was the beginning and I had the end. Here's the end. It was, it was called 
the boy who lost his faith. So I was going to, I was going to kill off the parents of the boy. <laughs> Tell me it's not a bestseller, right? All right. I was going to kill off the parents and the boy was, he was going to start down, you know, this downward spiral of just life. And he, he's, he's having a hard time in school. He's having a hard time with the relationships and everything's just going bad in his life. And then, so at the end, the last page of the book, he gets back to that, to that cliff where he first learned how to fly. And at this point, he's defeated. Life, he's just, he's lost all his faith. And he jumps off. And he dies. Depressing, huh? I don't know what kind of mind I had at 11 years old, man. But, but that was... That was, that was the book. And, and so I pitched it to my dad. I thought it was great. I thought it was going to be the best book ever. And my, my, my dad was basically like, hey, the, the whole premise of your book is, is just wrong because that's not faith. That's stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of times our version of faith isn't faith. And there's a lot of people with faith. There's different faiths out there. But it's not directed in, in God. It's not directed in the truth. Do I have faith that God can make me fly? Absolutely. 100%. But there's a reason that no one in this room has ever stood at the edge of a mountain and jumped off thinking that they were going to fly because we have a little bit of wisdom. But sometimes in the less obvious, the obviously foolish instances that we face in our life, we still need a little bit more wisdom. We need more discernment. We, more, we need more of the spirit of God. Sometimes we're facing the, the biggest decisions. Anybody confronting a really big decision right now? You know, I like to ask questions. Anybody this morning? You need some direction from God? Only two of y'all. That's great, man. We're healthy church, man. There's some times where we just need direction from God. And we don't know what to do. We know what we want to do, but we're not sure if it's the right move. And so a lot of times what we do is we, we pray we pray once, and then we make the decision we always wanted to make. And then we say, well, I prayed about it. That's the justification. Can I tell somebody today that praying about something is not just praying one time. Praying is seeking. Praying is, is consistency. Praying is, is listening and receiving word. Praying is discerning. Some people make the worst decisions of their life and say, oh, I prayed about it. You're really going to marry him? I prayed about it. <laughs> I want to say, did God say yes? <laughs> Stop running to the gift and run to the giver. Run to the Holy Spirit, man. And, and as I thought about the, you know, the pastor's question, you know, I... I soon realized that I don't want to be a wisdom guy. I don't want to be a, a faith guy. I don't want to be a patience guy. I want all of those things, yes, but more than anything, I just want to be a spirit-filled guy. That's what I, I want. The Holy, I want to operate in the spirit and not only the gift. Because we're living in days, church, where so much is needed from the church, but the church likes to stay in its lane. We like to stay in what we're comfortable with. There will be times where discernment is needed in your life and for your home and for your family. But you're like, ah, but that's not my gift. I believe that if it's discernment that you need, it will be given to you by the spirit. If you depend on the spirit, 
being moved, led, and empowered by the Spirit will give you access to the Holy Spirit and what he's trying to do at any given moment. Once again, Paul says, there are a variety of activities, there are a variety of services. So according to the work that you are doing, listen, according to the work that you are doing, there is a gift that the Holy Spirit will distribute if you lean on him. You still with me? There's people. There's people out in the world who need deliverance. You might confront somebody in your life, in your family, in your your relationships who need freedom from oppression, freedom from a demon. But you're like, well, I don't got a deliverance ministry. You don't need a deliverance ministry. All you need is the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who empowers you. It's not the ministry. That's like, that's like saying you need to have a plumbing business to fix a leaky toilet. All you need is a spirit. Or maybe you go into a room and you speak to somebody who's in desperate need of spiritual guidance. You don't, you don't need to be a teacher. You don't need to be a preacher. You don't need to be a pastor. You don't need to be a scholar to say, Holy Spirit, guide my lips and give me what doesn't come natural to me. That's what the Holy Spirit loves to do. He loves to give what doesn't come natural to you. Because because that means that you are operating in your weakness, but in his strength. And too many times we try to do it the, the, the reverse. We want to operate in our strength. And also the strength of the Holy Spirit. But that's not dependence on the Holy Spirit. That's dependence. That's a balance on the gift. And the Holy Spirit wants to manifest himself through every believer. Every believer. Church, there's not always going to be a prophet around. There's not always going to be a pastor around. There's not always going to be a counselor around. But I praise God because his word says that in the last days, he will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. That means everywhere I go, the spirit of God goes with me. In my foolishness, he is my wisdom. In my doubt, he brings me faith. In my sorrow, he brings me joy. In my impatience, he brings me patience and self-control. He brings me balance to my life and to the church because he is the great I am. He is everything that I am weak in and everything that I am strong in and everything in between. James says that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. If you need it, it will be supplied. All I need is him. And I don't know, I don't know this morning who this message was for. Maybe it was just for me. But if you are feeling unbalanced right now, maybe because you are leaning too much on your own understanding. I'm a wisdom guy. I understand wisdom. Well, the worship team come up. If you're going to get baptized, I'm going to send you to the back real quick to get dressed. But I want to talk to the rest of you this morning. You may be feeling off. Because you need something that doesn't come natural to you. God may be testing that this morning. I'm, I'm a wisdom guy, right? I, I, I understand wisdom. I've used it before. When I didn't have the words that I was going to say, the Holy Spirit came through, man. 
When I didn't know which way to turn, the Holy Spirit gave me guidance. I have operated in the gift many times. I understand what is wise and what is not wise. I can, underst- I can identify foolish behavior from afar. I understand it. And because I understand it, I'm comfortable with it. And so I run to it. But the word says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding. I understand wisdom, so that's what I go to. I understand faith, so that's what I go to. I understand peace, so that's what I go to. But what if God is trying to test another aspect of your life? But you're running to the gift and you're not depending on him. Maybe you're trying to use wisdom to get you through a situation right now. And what you need is faith. Your faith needs to step up. You're trusting in the Lord. It needs to step up because you're leaning too much on what you see. Maybe, maybe it's the reverse. Maybe you're trying to make a decision right now. And you're acting too quick and you're calling it faith. And God is saying, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait. Stop being too hasty. Stop getting so impatient. Seek me. Don't lean on your understanding. I will give you rest. I will give you word. I will give you peace. I will give you joy. I will give you wisdom. talked about what that means so many times to say that God is the great I am means that you can literally fill in the blank and that's what he will be Moses runs to God he says who do I say sent me the I am I mean I sound like a broken record what does Moses say I don't know if he said this but I imagine he says I am what can you feel that's not a complete sentence God I am what I am the I am everything everything that you are strong in everything that you are weak in everything in between everything that you don't even know you need I will be was the parter of the Red Sea. I don't imagine Moses ever thinking he would need a sea parter. But I am. I am. I will be that which I will be. That is, that is the actual translation of the Hebrew. I will be that which I will be. And so when you confront a situation where you don't know what to do and you think you don't have the resources and you're running to the one thing that you're used to running to, just know that I'm everything. I am the I am. I will be that which I will be, but you have to depend on me. God is calling a church to depend on the Holy Spirit. It's when we depend on the Holy Spirit that the giftings are activated and are empowered. spirit are supposed to be powerful they're supposed to be powerful sometimes thinking that we're operating in the gift of the spirit we lessen their power 
we lead people astray with our words of wisdom. God says, depend on me. God desires a church that will depend on him fully, fully, man. You don't have to just be a minister. You don't have to just be a pastor. These are, these are gifts that we all use in, in every aspect of our life. When you don't know what to do, when you're in a bind, when you're having relationship issues, when you're having marital issues, and you're saying, God, I don't, want, I don't know what to do anymore. I've done all I know to do. God is saying, have you done what you don't know what to do? Have you depended on me for the thing that you don't even know I have available to give to you? God is seeking a church who would depend on him. The world needs it. The world needs it. I think about Peter. Peter and John, when they were walking into the synagogue and they see this man, this beggar, and he's asking for money. I don't know that Peter planned on using any type of spiritual gifting of healing that day. But he was always in tune with the spirit. And he looks at the man and he says, look at me. I have got money for you. But what I have, what I happen to find in my pocket that was placed there by the Holy Spirit, I give to you because I am dependent on him. What if the church operated like that? What if we depended more on God and ran to God and not the gift? I believe God is challenging somebody this morning. I don't know in what way, but I I believe that he's calling you to seek him. Seek him. Not what he can give. Seek him. Seek the face of God this morning. Why don't we stand? Thank you, Jesus. so comfortable, my God, so accustomed to resources, so used to things, my God, that we, we've always learned to use, that we've always known to, to run to, my God. But this morning, I believe that you are calling somebody to run to you, to lean not on their own understanding, but to lean on you, Spirit of God. I pray that you would increase faith this morning all across this room. Increase faith. I pray that you would increase wisdom. I pray that you would increase discernment, my Lord. I pray that you would increase knowledge, Holy Spirit. I pray that you would give peace to someone, my God, in the chaos right now, in Jesus' name. As we look to you this morning, I want to do a call. I want to do a call. If we could just have a moment seeking nothing else but the Lord. I want you to have a personal moment with the Holy Spirit right now at these altars and speak to him like you would speak to anyone else face to face. God is desiring that intimacy. He is desiring that dependence. He is desiring a lessening of self and more of him. 
but it has to come from you, church. I can't make you. I can't make you seek God. I can't make you ask for more of God. All I can do is make the invitation. That's what pastors do. I'm not going to drag you to the altars. I'm not, I'm not going to drag you to church. I'm not, I'm not going to scream at you if you're not hungry for God. All, all I'm doing, I just preach the word. And I'm making the invitation to come and seek the Holy Spirit for the next few moments. Altars are open. The invitation's made. I'm making it once. I'm not a person to pry. As the worship team sings. listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.